0: Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Riccio, Sat TR Shaw in the Kintech studio. We are a presentation of Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you can trust, and 14 locations to serve you. The Vancouver Canucks with another opportunity to get into the win column today, Sat.
1: Yes, maybe, may, maybe, just maybe the Vancouver Canucks get a W on the season. I really want a post game show with a W. So <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. That's it. We'll leave it at that.
0: I I would like to do a show where there doesn't seem to be uh, a a massive um, state of the union on the franchise every
1: single day. It would be nice. It would be nice.
0: But that's where they've left themselves uh, through seven games of the season. And, you know, like there's a lot of things to go through. And, of course, with the way that the season has started, there's take your pick at what you want to or what you would like to critique on this Canucks roster as it is right now. But the one thing we all sort of knew was going to be an issue and has been an issue is the defense, which makes the Ethan bear conversation that much more intriguing. Ethan bear with the Carolina hurricanes who are just in town. He hasn't played yet this year. And uh, speculation is if they don't find a trade partner soon, they will uh, maybe resort to putting him, on waivers sat.
1: Yeah, and when you look at Ethan Bear as a guy, the Vancouver Canucks obviously had some level of interest in.
0: IMAC first reported it, and uh, everybody has talked about the Canucks' interest of late.
1: So uh, it's clear there's something there. Now, when this first came out, and this was during um, the preseason, it was Young Stars, if I'm correct. Yeah, it was uh,
0: late August, early September sort of thing. Yeah,
1: I think it was at Young Stars where uh, IMAC was... Um, yeah. You know, covering the team and everything. And then he reported on Ethan Bear being the Canucks having interest in Ethan Bear. And that was around the time Niels Lundqvist was being shopped. And one thing we mentioned at the time on this show was I wonder how much of the Ethan Bear stuff is related to Niels Lundqvist stuff. Because mm-hmm. that's somebody the Vancouver Canucks might be willing to maybe move a Hoaglander type for. Right. Because he's a, you know, really talented right side defenseman.
0: Trying to. Uh... You know, show the Rangers, hey, there's other defensemen we could go after, potentially.
1: type of deal. But I do think there was some level, you know, real interest in, in yeah. Ethan Bear. The question, what though, is what what we are willing to give up to get Ethan Bear at the time? And I never thought they were willing to trade Neil's now who has been the ask. Yes, and I didn't think they were willing to trade a you know a second round pick or even a third round pick to acquire Ethan Bear because he's making two point two million and yeah. I was on the outside looking in with that team. So. What were the the Canucks looking at doing at the time is the question to acquire Ethan Bear? Because I don't think they wanted to do Niels Hoaglander. And if they Mm -hmm. did Niels Hoaglander, what else would they want in return? Because I can't imagine they're keen on making a Hoaglander for Ethan Bear swap one for one.
0: Yeah, just uh, that's the sort of move you wouldn't like to see. I mean, Bear's a little bit older. Sure, you know, younger or youngish right shot D that... I think has had one really strong season where he showed quite a bit of, you know, like top four potential sat. Yeah. And that was the North division year in 1920, where he played big minutes for Edmonton that season. He did. And he was good. Um, Or it was just before the North division, actually. And he showed big, he played big minutes for Edmonton that year. And it, it didn't really, you know, it didn't really pan out for him. Um, it it was after that it, you know he had the the big blunder in in the bubble playoffs against Winnipeg and it just seemed like the Oilers were out on Ethan Bear yeah. after that happened even though for the most part of that season before the pause and into the covid break he played really well for them and he never really found his stride ever since you know, a lot of time has passed since then. So he is that much older. So you are taking a considerable sort of risk that the player has settled into being more of a third pair type than a young defenseman that does have top four potential.
1: Well, what he's shown is that he can be a third pair depth defenseman in the NHL. Yeah. But you're not sure he's anything more than that. What has Niels Hoaglander shown? He's shown that he can be a you know, bottom six forward in the NHL at the very least, right? He can at the very least be a third line type of guy that can play. He's going to have a career in the National Hockey League. The question is, can he score enough to justify playing big minutes? And I know Dolly Wall today mentioned Carolina is interested in Eels Hoaglander. And that shouldn't be a surprise given Hoaglander has tremendously good analytics. And yes. if you look at the underlying numbers, they're always really good around Hoglander. It just comes down to him being unable to finish his chances. Th- well, that's what I mean. He he has a below average shot and he has great metrics, above average metrics. It comes down to But he's he totally a Carolina
0: type player, exactly. right? Like they, he's he's they, able to love like, yeah. They love those guys. He, he's able to, you know, win four check battles, yeah. win pucks down low. Uh his led to a lot of volume from a shot perspective um, in, when he's played. So, like, those are things that Carolina really prioritizes. So, I, you know, you're right on that front. It does make a lot of sense that Carolina would have interest in that player. But, you know, this is sort of the game of chicken you have with a negotiation. And part of the problem the Canucks have had trying to shop their, their players around, right? They're a little too expensive, even though they might not be so bad and teams could have interest in them, it's like, well, we don't really want to give you much for that player because uh, we don't want to take on that sort of a salary. And that's maybe the the story of the NHL right now.
1: My guess would have been at the time, the Canucks were looking to shed some salary too. They're looking to get rid of Jason Dickinson's contract. Right. And we saw the Canucks were willing to add a sweetener to get rid of Jason Dickinson's contract. Yep. And that is a second round pick coming up in 2024. So had they been willing to make some sort of a bear for Hoagland or swap, I would have imagined it would have also included maybe sending a contract out, maybe Jason Dickinson's contract. I know they tried to trade Furland's contract and LTIR, but I I could have seen that maybe being a possibility they're looking at. If they're trading an asset, we're also getting rid of something with it. We're not just trading an asset for a player. We also want to get rid of something. Not just a
0: straight one-for-one deal.
1: Yeah. I mean, look at the Riley Stillman trade that they acquired. Were they looking to do something along those lines where they're sending some money back to bring somebody else back in? That would be my guess what they were looking to do. So even now with Ethan Bayer being available, I wonder if he is on waivers. The Canucks do now have a bit more LTIR space. because Pullman's
0: they've... gone on LTIR, and as of today, uh, Travis Dermott put on LTIR as yeah. well.
1: So Dermott's on LTIR as well. That does give you a bit more flexibility. Now, hey, the Canucks have called up a lot of guys. They're still kind of using all the money they've had. But if you play around with the roster, you can find a way to open up enough money here to put a claim in for somebody if you really want to. Are they desperate enough? If Bear goes on waivers, they just pick him up. And hey, maybe they do. At 2.2, I wonder, you still owe them about $2 million in cash this year, which isn't insignificant for a guy who hasn't proven he can play. Yeah. This team was you know not willing to you know hold on to salary. They traded away salary. You saw it in the Jason Dickinson trade. So my guess here is if they have their way, they'd love to send something else back. It's not going to be a big salary, but some sort of a contract going the other way. The thing about
0: this is um, <laughs> Ethan Baer... Without question, makes the Canucks D better right now, in my eyes.
1: But how much better?
0: That's probably. Th- yeah, I mean, that's I the estimation you have to make.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. It, it makes them better. I mean, to, to pick him off off waivers for free, he's RFA. Sure, I mean, hey, if they're willing to take on if they have if they can clear enough space and they're willing to take on the money just to take a flyer on him and free, yeah. at, why not? Whatever. But it's
0: it's. You know the idea that it's not a that it is a uh, sort of free look because he's on waivers. Well, that's you know ignoring the two million that he's yeah. owed. It's not insignificant. And also, you know, this is maybe a, a good scenario. But if he he plays and he plays well, ish. Uh, He's going to be an expensive defenseman next year, you yeah. Know? Like but probably I mean, in the two and a half, three
1: million dollar range if you give him a lot of minutes and he plays decently well. Well, if he if he's on the right side and he plays decently well, do, don't do you not mind paying him for one yeah. year of three million? I mean, right side defensemen are hard to find enough as it is. And one thing he does well, is moved the he moves the puck well. Yeah, the, the, this Canucks team doesn't have enough guys that can. Hey, sure, offense is one thing. They don't have enough guys that create offense. They don't have enough guys that can be able to get clearances and zone entries and stuff like that. And he does help you in that regard if he plays at his game and does earn the trust of the coaching staff. So there's something tangible there in his game, of course. It's just how big of a difference does it make for your team now? Is it worth a look if he goes on waivers? It might be. It's just, I just wonder how willing they are to take on $2 million in cash without sending something back the other way.
0: Well, with the idea that this is a win-now team and a team that's looking to dig themselves out of this hole, then yeah, if he's on waivers, I would expect the Canucks to, to want to bring this player in. Yeah. It, you know, the, the, the salary cap, Issues are obviously uh, at, at the forefront here, but you know there's not really a, a, a bad one-year deal. I've al- I've always said that, and I still feel that way. I mean, of course, there are some reasonable uh, limits on those things, but for the most part, like a one-year deal, you know, there's no long-term attached to it, and that's essentially what Ethan Bear is on here. And you need to take chances on guys if it comes basically free. This makes a ton of sense. The Canucks, D. Yes, it's been incredibly injured. More injured than what is reasonable to expect this early in the season, but it's not good and it hasn't been good. And it's probably highlighted by the fact that Oliver Ekman Larson has played very poorly so far this year. You know, we're praising Kyle Burrows for playing above expectations again, but again, that's above expectations. And how much longer can we expect that? To continue, I felt he did have a bit of a tough night the other night against Carolina. It, you've got to start getting something out of this defense. They don't generate any offense from the back end. It's bleeding into the lack of offense you're getting from your your forward group, which we thought was the bread and butter of this team. So here's a player that could show up on your doorstep that at the very least helps you move the puck a little bit better out of your own end. If you're still trying to win hockey games for this year, I think you have to take a chance on them.
1: I don't know if you have to, but I see, I see a reason to take a chance on them. But I mean, like as far as and I see people texting and win now, lol. I mean, listen, they're going to win enough hockey games unless they trade guys. They're My win point is, games. they're
0: not giving up on this season as much as people would like them to give up on this season. Seven games here, seven games in. Like Patrick Alvin and, and Jim Rutherford, they haven't given up on the idea that they still want this team to compete for a playoff spot sure, by the but end a, of the year, sure, however
1: unlikely it might be. Sure, but I don't know if they're actively looking to add salary to accomplish that goal. Yeah, that's the thing, right? But I mean, it's if not long-term salary. No, I understand, but it's still cash. They just traded away three and a half million in Jason Dickinson and gave up a second-round pick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if they go and pick up a guy making two million, that would be a pretty big sign. Mm-hmm. And, and given the budget being what it is and money mattering, are they going to go out on a limb here and, and try to sell, you know, convince each other that paying another $2 million is what they need to do right now for a guy who may or may not make your defense better? Right. I mean, so I, I don't think it's insignificant, the $2 million. And as much as I don't think this team is bad enough to tank, they're not. I mean, unless they decide to trade... Demko and get rid of everybody they're not going to be a bottom five roster by the end of the season that's that's just not going to happen unless a lot of guys are out so even that being the case are you still going to go out and and make moves to make yourself better right now
0: I I still think you got to try at the very least you came into the year saying playoffs it would be a disaster Sure. If you didn't make the, but playoffs. they've
1: already spent. I mean, they've, they've already spent enough money, yeah. which we've already talked about this off season. They already spent money to clear money out. But
0: you're not bringing in long term money, essentially.
1: You're not, but you barely have any cap space as it is. Yeah. You're going to tie up another 2.2 million in a I mean, you're you're playing all your cards early in the season, essentially. Yeah. Right. Like we talk about having some LTIR space and and having some money, you make that type of claim now. It's going to limit some of the flexibility you have. The Canucks barely have flexibility as it is. I
0: mean, it essentially it it fills in. Um, the Pullman salary that you've put on LTIR. Yeah. Right? Like, that's essentially what you would be doing because, uh, again, always hoping for the best with Tucker Pullman health-wise as, as, as a person, but I, I, I can't imagine or I don't see a scenario where he does play at least this year, not for the foreseeable future, for this Canucks team. So
1: I that's th- that's the way I kind of sure, look at it. I You're just, just
0: sort of flipping the salary Into LTIR and adding another one. Now, of course, budgets matter, but I just don't see this organization giving up on the season seven games in.
1: Yeah, I don't know if they give up on the season. I just wonder if with a little flexibility you do have, if you're using it on a waiver claim eight games into the season. That's what it is, right? Like, you, you don't have a lot of flexibility as it is, and their desire has always been to get move money out. You're adding more onto the books right now, especially on the defense, without taking some stuff out. You can do it. Well, and how you're right? often it, do right-shot sure. defensemen under the age of 25 yeah, right. show up
0: on waivers that have shown some level of NHL competence? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and Ethan Baer, I know people are not, like, there's there's a wide range of opinions on the player, but he has shown he's... An NHL defenseman for most teams. Is he better?
1: And, is he is he better than what Kyle Burrows brings you right now? Moves the puck better than Kyle Burrows? Does he though? Because Burrows has done that fairly well right now. He's done. He's doing everything you can ask of him right yeah. now. And maybe maybe Bearer does at his best, right? Like maybe he does have a bit more offensive upside. Of course, like I do think he does have that and all that sort of stuff. But I just wonder how much does that move the needle? And to the other point that you made. It's a one year deal, right? Like he has to play really well for you to even qualify him next season. He's just priced out. It's already two point two million. Yeah. So if he's if he's if you're qualifying him next year, it means you're paying him the same salary next season. And if he's a guy who's on your bubble, you already have Riley Stillman next year as well, and now all of a sudden you're talking about spending three, three and a half million on two guys that are, you know, six, seven defensemen for your team. It's like you need to get out from doing that. So I get what you're what you're looking at but to me it's it's a one year flyer
0: at what point are you gonna m- make something happen
1: with sure this defense but I, don't if, but I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if the I don't know if you know picking guys off waivers is is like the solution you know what I mean
0: expensive guys off of waivers yeah
1: yeah I mean I don't know if that's the solution in general how many waiver claims really work out come on now, we always talk about it okay, I'm, but I'm all Ethan for it.
0: bear isn't like a regular waiver claim yeah and not like he was well, legitimately, legitimately good. Well, I mean, in the, well, number
1: one, he's not even on waivers yet. So, no, I mean, he's not. And if he, if, let's see if he even makes it onto waivers yet. And obviously, there's been a reluctance to put him on waivers.
0: Of course, in an ideal world, you make uh, like a, a, a sort of a trade that the Oilers made with St. Louis at the start of the year, where Sam Marukov and and Klim Kostin both cleared waivers, and it's like, hey, we'll just we'll swap these two players and give them a change of scenery, like. You know, maybe Bear does clear waivers, but the Canucks and, and Hurricanes have have something yeah. sort of, you know, planned out in, in the case that that should happen.
1: Right. Now, what, what I do think the underlying part of all this, what you're mentioning here, too, and, and I can see the draw to go after Bear, is because you're getting nothing from the back end. Zero. If OEL, and especially with Hughes being out, and we talked about OEL a bit yesterday, but really leaning into it here, him not being even close to what he was last year is a big problem. Yeah. Because now you're you're at a point where you're like, who's the number two guy? You yeah. know, is it actually Myers again if, if if OEL plays this way? Like right now when Myers plays, he's more effective than OEL is. Yes. And that's a scary thought. You know, and I know you always defend Myers and I have to a lesser extent as well. And he's not as bad as people make him out to be and all that sort of stuff, just a highly overpaid defenseman. Mm-hmm. But that's a big problem. You know, we talk about leaders that are underachieving. We talk about leaders that aren't providing what they need to provide. Here's your second highest paid defenseman who is pretty close to getting paid the same amount of money as Quinn uses, bringing you next, not next to nothing. He has four assists on the season. He's done some stuff. But it's been a big, big difference compared to what he was last year. And that's a big issue here, you know, because... They need somebody else to be able to handle the load. They need at least somebody else to be able to play top four minutes for this team. And right now, they don't have anybody. And it's at a point now where we're looking at guys like Ethan Barrett going, hmm, you know, <laughs> maybe, should we? You know, why not?
2: You yeah. know, like that's where it's at. That's how
1: ugly it is back then. It there is. Right and now. I get the point. And, you know, I thought uh, on, on Twitter, Chris Conte makes a great point. If the Canes are interested in a Canucks player, you probably shouldn't give up that player, right? Yeah. Because they have a good good history of adding oh, those to being good. I have no
0: interest in giving up Hoaglander. Neither do I. Ethan Baird. I have None.
1: no, honestly, I have no issue with trading just about anybody, depending on what you get back in return. I'm not even against a Neil yeah. Hoaglander trade. I'm not for trading Niels Hoglander for a guy who may not even be on your roster next season.
0: Yeah, that, that would be a Huge the short mistake. side of move that, that I think nobody wants to see here in this market. That yeah that goes without saying.
1: Now Ramon text in others text in too and others have made the same point, Keith the Water guy. Isn't it concerning that Chatfield is playing more than Bear? Well, I think, yes, they can make that point. And, you know, I've seen other people make the point that the Canucks want a player who can't even beat out a player they had who they gave up for free, beating Jalen Chatfield. And yes, in a vacuum, that's true. Facts only, all that sort of stuff. But how a team plays does matter. And Jalen Chatfield plays, his style of play fits perfectly into what the Carolina Hurricanes want. And he fits into that bottom six role. Just get the puck, dump it in, play decent defense, and just play the system well. And that's what he does. He He can't do that for, like, how many other teams can he do that for? Maybe four, five, maybe I don't yeah. even know how many teams. It just fits with what they're doing. Bear doesn't quite fit, and the thing with Ethan Bear is, and maybe this is a concern, not the most fit guy, right? And the la- the worst coach to have if you're not the fittest guy and if you don't look like you're a super fit athlete, yeah. is Rod the Brindamore. yeah, a guy who was like killing himself during testing this year. He was trying to do a VO2 max yeah. stuff and like you know laying on the ground afterwards. <laughs> I mean, this guy's a- he's psycho when it comes yeah. to trying to be in shape.
0: I mean, I'm not. I'm not sitting here and saying Ethan Bear is the perfect solution for the Vancouver Canucks, but... At some point, you got to say, yeah. like, you know, at least there's some level of a chance that this is a solution sure. for I, I this know, back end right 100%. Now. I'm tired of watching this team get stuck in their own end without anybody to get the puck out, to actually carry the puck out of the zone mm-hmm. in the way that Quinn Hughes does, to create some chances for this forward group with a pass or two. Like, it's bad, sad.
1: I, I don't disagree. They, but they don't create anything out of the back end. For sure. They don't. But the thing is, I'm at a point now where. I don't want to throw anything else at trying to salvage the season. Like I'm not against you know these guys making a run and trying to make it better, but these guys don't deserve this team giving up any more assets, whether it's cash, futures, whatever it is, to try to make this team into a playoff team this year. Yeah, you guys got to keep the your end of the bargain. You guys have it. The guys you don't, the guys you have don't do make
0: it. the Brad Richardson trade to be like, hey, nice. Nice work, guys. You know yeah. you, you've got yourselves back in the race. Exactly. Let's let's try and help you out. here. Yeah,
1: they're not. So I'm not there. And if if this season does go sideways naturally, then it goes sideways naturally, and you end up with a great pick. If that's what happens naturally, let it happen. You know what I yeah. mean? Like I'm not stand. I'm not getting in the way of the snowfall. I don't think the snowfall is going to get that bad. Like I think. I think will they'll rectify and still kind of get competitive. Well, I'm starting but to wonder like how much way of it.
0: Of it. I, I, I'm starting to wonder how much that depends on Hughes being healthy.
1: Of course, and he's not playing right now. Like if
0: right Hughes now, isn't healthy, and everything uh, changes, uh, you know, like they, they're going to be a bad team, <laughs> right?
1: But my, but my big thing here is, and this goes back to the point that we made, OEL is a problem. Yeah. So you still have to get rid of players on the back end, and he's got to play a lot better. But any money you add onto the books now is going to limit your flexibility as the season goes on. Because right. if you're looking to actually trade some guys out, which is should be looking to do, maybe you have to take a salary back short term. Like, hey, maybe a team is willing to take on Brock Besser, right? Yeah. But they're saying we're going to give you eight million in expiring money for this year. You don't care as much because you need that need that to expire. Brock Besser makes six million. Where are you getting that extra two million from? Yeah. You have a little space. You can maybe take that on, get an extra asset back in return. If you're burning the money you have now. The flexibility you need later to try to make trades happen won't be there. And I don't think now is the time to burn that money. Now, if they do, to your point, Dan, I think it shows they still want to salvage this season. It shows the desperation of where they find themselves. That's, um, you know,
0: essentially what the Canucks had to do with the Arizona trade. Uh, They used Roussel and Beagle and Erickson as weights to mm-hmm. make the money work you see it a lot in the NBA and you're seeing it more in a capped out NHL but you know, you make a good point on that you know it does potentially limit some of that flexibility because the way this season is going and the way the trade market is likely to go mm-hmm. you're probably going to have to hey yeah we'll take your five million dollar Connor Garland salary but we need you to take two and a half million back
1: you have to take something back yeah you know and and maybe if you're at a position where you move a contract out and have some flexibility, you can approach a deadline as a place where you're taking stuff on for assets, yeah. you know, or at least something for assets. And we're at a point where if they can pick up even a couple extra mid-round picks at the at the trade deadline, that's great to do, you know, depending yep. on where you find yourself and all that sort of stuff. Get More so, bullets,
0: yeah. And it, I can't believe we're talking about this seven games into the season, it, though.
1: Hey, I'm not. I'm not saying <laughs> doing it. I'm just saying just say, save save whatever you have in case you may need it to make moves and actually make your team better long term the
0: the point for me is still there though that you know this defense has shown to be even worse than what we had expected coming into the season some of that is due with injuries some of that is you know players not playing up to the level that they were at last year and Oliver Ekman Larson and it raises a lot of concerns because it definitely like it's affected the way that this team generates offense and it limits what the talented forward group is able to do, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more coming up in hour number two. Also, Cheech is going to join us. John Garrett, our legendary color analyst, will join us uh, coming up next. It is Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650. Canuck Central, Dan Riccio, and Satyar Shah. We're in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire. Tire, quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. So uh, we talked a lot about... Um, Ethan Bear and what the Canucks can do with their defense right now, because it has not looked good. Uh, Teddy asking, uh, any idea how waivers works? Does a team with the lowest point percentage get first crack at the player? Um, It's normally like that, but not until the first month of the season comes to an end. So November 1st, is when uh, your record starts to dictate the waiver wire order.
1: Yes, and then uh, the Vancouver Canucks, if they stay where they're at, will have waiver priority number one.
0: It's a brilliant spot to be in.
1: Great spot to be in. So uh, it's where go I like over to be other through other people's uh... garbage, you can sift through <laughs> other people's garbage first. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. what you get to do. You sift through the garbage yeah. first.
0: <laughs> hey man, uh, you can find great waivers pickups. Yeah.
1: Maybe like every year we talk about waivers. Like how many? Like what is the percentage of waiver uh, wire pickup success?
0: Uh, less than one percent.
1: Yeah, right. Like it's it's really <laughs> low. It's really low. And I'm not against doing it, but like the amount of talk about waiver wire pickups and exploring the waiver wire and all that sort of stuff it's such an easy thing to do. I think that's why everybody points to it. But like, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flyers picked up
0: Kiefer Bellows today. It, it's usually those guys that get picked up too. Like the the former first rounders that people are like, yeah, I'll take a chance on that guy. You know, we liked him in his draft year. Let's let's see. That's that's essentially what Kiefer Bellows was. Yeah, and the Flyers had uh, some some forward injuries, so they're like, yeah, let's
1: pick up let's pick up Kiefer Bellows. Why see not?
0: If, see if we can make something out.
1: If of If he's them. young enough, hey, it's fine. There's been you know some waiver wire pickups that have worked. There are there yes. are many of them. It's just going through the percentages. They just don't amount to a ton. <laughs>
0: It's uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. A lot uh, coming in on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, and uh, we love hearing from the live listeners. It's um, uh, Marcus from the Ridge. Mark my words, Canucks are about to go 7-3, and three, which includes beating Pittsburgh 3-2 in OT. So uh, a, a big, uh, big vote of confidence from Marcus from the Ridge right there. Uh, others saying, you think it's possible to pick up Ethan Baer and then flip him at the deadline if sure. you retain salary?
1: Okay, so the, l- let's address that. I do want to address the other part uh, about the Canucks winning seven of the next three. Number one, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Winning seven in the next ten? Minutes. Wouldn't shock me at all. The Canucks are going to have a run at some point here, and it wouldn't shock me if it starts at any point.
0: I'd be I'd be more confident if Quinn Hughes was in the lineup. Yes,
1: but, <laughs> but it's going to happen at some... They're going to win a game they don't deserve to win. At some point, that's going to happen, and then that might just get the ball rolling for a few wins. So I don't doubt that. And as like far, I'm
0: already at the point where they're not necessarily the yeah. better team in almost any game they play. Yeah. yeah. So Even tonight against Seattle. But we'll get to that we'll in get the pregame. To, I mean...
1: Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but as far as as far as flipping Ethan Bear, I mean, yes, it's it's not something you can not do. Sure, I mean that's a possibility. You dra- you get Ethan Bear off waivers. He plays well enough for you. You Retain half the salary. He's worth a million. That's prorated down even less at the trade deadline. And maybe somebody gives you at the high end a third round pick. Yeah, but more likely a mid round pick, a bit later or something like that. And it might be worth it. But is it worth paying? Over a million bucks to get that pick, which I think it is monetary wise. But is it worth bypassing other possibilities you have with that flexibility? That's the calculus you have to make here. Yeah.
0: Well, essentially, the uh, Chicago Blackhawks bought a second round pick off of the
1: Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Cost them a few million bucks. Essentially, that's what they did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so so that's kind of where it's at. So, so that's that's how I look at it from Vancouver's perspective. If you're taking that on. How much are you limiting yourself? And if you are even flipping that player for, say, a third or a fourth, is it worth tying yourself up and your flexibility up?
0: Uh, let's uh, bring in our next guest. He is uh, the color anis- analyst of all your Canucks broadcasts on Sportsnet, and you saw him on After Hours this past Saturday, uh, Hockey
2: Night in Canada. It's John Garrett. H- how's it going, Cheech? Would you say uncomfortably? <laughs> would that be a word that you would use uh as an adjective. Uh,
0: you know, like, it
2: was,
0: Jim Rutherford hours. felt very uncomfortable. <laughs>
2: oh, he did, and give him credit for going on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, how many people would have bailed on that at, mm-hmm. in that situation? And, uh, you know, I always feel that the reason I'm there or Louie's there or whoever on the After Hours show is in case the guests don't show up. Mm-hmm. And then Scott's got somebody to talk to. Yeah. And I know, I've known Jimmy for 50 years so you know I'm I'm quite comfortable and and Jimmy is not the most cordial guy as you guys know anyway and he's hard to get to know but uh you put him in a situation like that and then Scott's asking questions and uh, questions that probably should be asked but in that situation do you have to go you know uh, are you going to fire the coach type thing is basically what was asked and I'm thinking well come on. <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> saying it's what was it Game Six or something? And I'm yeah, just, Oh yeah. enough already.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's it's just gone off the rails so quickly as far as the conversations are concerned. And you know, w- what type of um, moves the Canucks Canucks fans want to see after this this terrible start? But it's it's kind of funny because realistically, they have their hands tied a little bit. But as far as kind of that leadership stuff goes and them showing up, sometimes it's just the, the presence of leadership that matters in tough moments. And there were times previously where there was an absence of leadership in t- tough times. And I think that resonated throughout the organization. So I think that's good to have leadership-wise. But I, did, what, what I was also thinking about what you mentioned as far as you know, feeling uncomfortable. Maybe this season can be summed up as uncomfortably numb. For Canucks fans. <laughs> they're numb, but they're uncomfortable about it.
2: Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, you know what? It, a lot gets back to the goaltending, and, and you hate to blame Thatcher, but uh, when you blow leads like the Canucks did, and not that Thatcher's been bad, but he was he as good as he was last year? No. Not even close. And you look at his numbers, and, and they're not even close. And so uh, the blown leads, you you think, okay, you get a save here, you get a save there, and maybe they would have won some. It's easy to say after. Maybe they wouldn't. But now it's, when you take Quinn Hughes out of the lineup, now you're you're getting to the point where you say, okay, uh, even if Thatcher's really good, are they going to win again? And uh, against a good team like Carolina, we saw that Thatcher was pretty good. What were the shots? 39-16 or something? Yeah. And they still didn't win. So... I don't know. He, and the Saturday Night Show was Jimmy and 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 then Luke Shen comes on. And he he was very good, but uh, it's an awkward position for him to come in too, mm-hmm. because uh, people are saying, "Well, you know, the defense isn't good enough, and we need more defensemen." And uh, everybody's got to say, "Well, we need this, we need this," but how do you do it? How do you how do you do it? And uh, how do you get? You know, Oliver ekman Larson is in a, a position now where at his age and uh, his abilities, he's probably a third or fourth defenseman. Yeah. Would you agree on that? Or maybe even fourth and fifth? Well, yeah. I, I'd uh, say, you know what,
1: the way he's played, I'd say fourth and fifth this year. Last year, you could say third or fourth. This year, fourth and fifth. And that that difference, I think, is notable and it makes a big difference for this team, not in a good way.
0: Especially with yeah. Hughes
1: out of the lineup, yeah.
2: Well, that's it. With Quinn Hughes, and then Oliver is all of a sudden he's he's say second behind Tyler Myers.
0: Yep. That's that's and a, then who who's third? Who's third? Kyle Burroughs. Kyle Burroughs. Right yep. now
2: it's Kyle Burroughs, and uh, Luke Shen is fourth. Yeah. And then Guillaume Brisebois. Jack I, Rathbone. Yeah, I mean you just uh, Jack Rathbone, and the thing with Jack and. I'm hoping, if they were winning, or even winning half the games, it'd be interesting to see Jack in the Quinn use role. Because without Quinn, I think that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to give him enough ice time so that he can show, or at least show either way, whether he can adapt to being an offense-generating defenseman.
0: Yeah. And
2: he seems to be able to do that when he's in the offensive zone when he's in the defensive zone, he, he struggles a lot uh, because he doesn't make decisions quickly enough. And then he ends up throwing it in the middle and, and giveaways and, and he, he just doesn't read the plays very well, but that should come with some experience. And maybe if they were winning half the games, they'd be able to do that. But when you're not, all of a sudden you're put in the position where, uh, you know, Kyle Burroughs is playing two or three more minutes than Jack Rathbone. And uh, Luke Shen is, is, the same and uh, Tyler Myers and, and Oliver Eggman Larson are over 22 minutes a game you know like, because so, that's Quinn Quinn always plays 27
0: yeah and, and so much of their 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 issues right now just just stem from from that Cheech like they they don't break out of their own end well and they have no speed coming through the neutral zone they're 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 dumping pucks in to the offensive zone not recovering enough of those and and like you see it in the numbers like the only forwards that are scoring on this team are Pedersen Horvat and uh well Miller after the last game other than that I mean it's it's tough to find a goal with a forward group that that we all felt was pretty talented coming into the year
2: yeah and do you give Andre Kuzmenko a pass so far? I mean, it, naturally, it's going to take a little while to get used oh, to a he, different league.
0: He's had so many chances, I'm <laughs> Like, when, when is he going to finish yeah. another one? Yeah,
2: and uh, Vasily. Yeah. Look at his chances. Yeah. So uh, you have to hope that those guys start to find the back of the net. Mm-hmm. I'd like to us his game most games. Yeah. he's He's my best forward of the group and even JT the other night he he got a couple of goals but I didn't think he played very well again Mm -hmm. and so until he gets going too you hope that and you look at Carolina you hope that your star players Bo and Elias and JT are driving the offense Mm -hmm. and then the other guys score too but those guys are the ones that Mm -hmm. drive the offense well, they thing- can play in the offensive zone, but they, they haven't been. The fourth line has probably had more offensive zone time than the top three lines.
1: Which is a big indictment on those top three. I mean, the only line that's, that's been better consistently has been that Pedersen line in terms of creating chances, but their finishing has left a lot to be desired. As you mentioned, for, for his wingers not being able to score as much as he's been able to score. But one thing that we heard from Patrick Alvine Uh, when he spoke with the media the other day, yesterday, was that the leaders have to be better. It's like what you echoed. Yeah, yeah, all their players have to be better, their best players. But it seemed like he really took aim at their leaders, and that includes Bo, that includes JT, obviously, Oliver ekman Larson. But, you know, how much of this struggle does really come down to that leadership group, which obviously includes the captain?
2: Yeah, and you go back to, at least I go back to uh, the first few games. It's tough to start on the road for five games, and, and I'm not making excuses for them, but I've never seen that before, where a team starts five games on the road without having at least one home game, and then come home from an East Coast trip one day, and then play the next day. Carolina played one home game, went on the road for five, went back to Carolina, had three days off, and then play again tonight. It's It was crazy to think that the Canucks would have that Saturday game where they played Thursday in Minnesota after being on the East coast, three time zones, and then play a good game on Saturday. Even if they were playing well, Saturday would have been a tough game. And what happens, you know, it's just, I, I don't get the NHL schedule and you're not making excuses. but when, especially when you're playing poorly, but then your leadership group to me has to be smart enough. And they, they probably thought and got, among they got together and said, "Well, okay, uh, we better close the door and t- t- try and iron this out ourselves after blowing three leads to start the season." But a players-only meeting three games in, yeah. As an old player, I, I'm just ooh ouch <laughs> because then now you're you're into you've got seven games done. You've already used <laughs> you've already used up <laughs> your, player, your players-only meeting. So if you say you go ten? You, oh yeah, we'll have another one.
0: Uh. Yeah, and, and you know what? That's even you, you kind of talked about it a little bit off off the top, uh, but but with the coach and and all the speculation around Boudreaux already with the start, you almost can't avoid it because of how poorly the team has played. But it doesn't feel like anybody really thinks that Boudreaux's you know part of the reason they've started this slowly, Cheech.
2: No, no, and I think most, and it's. Just the domino effect as well, we got to do something. Yeah. So, what's the easiest move? Well, the easiest move is to uh, change coaches and then you have a different voice. But uh, Bruce's voice was good enough last year to come in and win seven straight when he took over mm-hmm. and be 660 or something, his win percentage uh, over the months from December to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So, has it changed that much over the summer? Personnel hasn't changed that much.
1: No. Same guys. Well, yeah, and... You know, Alvin said he hasn't seen much of a change or difference in the system and how the Canucks play. But then you talk to the players and they say they are doing some different things and they are trying to be better defensively with their breakouts and all that sort of stuff. And there's, you know, conversations about what else can the Canucks do from their systems? Can they change how they play? But the thing, as you mentioned, you know, kind of echoing the same sentiment around the players having the meeting three games in after three games and kind of talking about what's going wrong. If you're already talking about changing what you're doing as a team, if you're already talking about changing your plan and it's seven games into the season, how hard is it for players to to listen to the new plan if they're like, wait, wait, this is the plan you've been selling us. We worked on this throughout the preseason and training camp, and as soon as things are going sideways, we're going to ditch this plan and do something else. Like, How do I have trust that the next thing is going to work? Yeah. I know at some point you have to change what you're doing, but how hard is it to to have the discipline to, to ride things out when things go this bad. Because when you do change things up, it also has some unintended consequences sometimes.
2: Yeah, well, to, like, to me, it's, you don't have to change things out, but you have to execute. You have to do things correctly. And uh, we had a thing uh, about the systems that we ran before last game. But this, the second goal the other night, and it's Elias coming back on Sebastian Aho. And I know Sebastian Ajo is a very good player. But Elias has been in the league now, how many years? And he is supposed to be a very good player. And as I said, I think Elias has been their best forward. But he's coming back on Sebastian Ajo. It's a 1-1 game, and he's in front of him from the red line to the blue line. And Aho gives him a little tug on the shoulder, and I don't know whether Elias was trying to draw the penalty or whether Aho just got him off balance or whatever – but he sure did go around him like he wasn't there and mm-hmm. then put in that goal from the crease without Elias even being in the picture. And he was in front of him for from the red line to pass the blue line. Now, okay, that's just execution. That's just being stronger. That's just being mentally stronger. And I think you go back, the, the Canucks two-on-ones, uh, that play where mm-hmm. uh, Quinn Hughes dove at the guy in overtime on a two-on-one. Just execution, you know. You, you just, I think that's the thing that uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvina are hoping that they, okay, change the system. Well, okay, the system worked last year with Bruce. The defense got a lot better, but the execution was a lot better too. Okay, the goaltending was better, and that's where it all starts. But just the simple one play here, I got to be tougher on one play. And when uh, you saw JT and. Uh, Luke Shen with that little bit of an argument at the end of the period the other night. JT's got the puck with less than 10 seconds left in his own zone. And instead of just make the smart play, just get it out. No, no, I'm going to bring it back in. And then they're scrambling and Kyle Burrows has to hit somebody. And then there's a little scrum and Luke has to come in. And it all started with just JT. One little execution thing. Just think a little better and no, And I think that's what Luke was saying was, okay, get your head up and, Let's play smarter.
0: Uh, have you and Shorty called a called a win at all this year? Like even going back to preseason? <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Why
2: did you bring that up? Why would you bring that up? I'm trying. Shorty's I'm trying to jinx the streak. Years, we're celebrating Shorty's 25 years, and you're going to say that? <laughs> Come on. We're trying to change it up. You know, not go to Subway every day and uh, change up our luck, and that we, we got to get something going. So,
1: uh, what does that mean then, in terms of you changing your uh, your dietary plans?
2: Are you actually? Well, I didn't change? go to Subway. I went to a sandwich place in the Market Pier here mm. in Seattle today. Uh, wait, wait, going you, going didn't
1: you didn't go to Subway? If, I mean, I was was going to ask. you. No, I didn't go to
2: Subway today. If you if
1: you do go to Subway, I want to know if they say, sell the Danger Witch there too, the <laughs> Russell Wilson one, or if that's banned in Seattle.
2: <laughs> I always get the same thing. I don't know what, even what you're talking about. I, I saw Sean, uh, Sean Kemp's cannabis store is right across the street. This Sean right. Kemp's cannabis and, and Instead of calling it Sean Kemp's Hemp, which would have been just automatic... It's called Sean Kemp's cannabis store. I mean, Sean, come on, uh, be creative. Uh,
1: oh. Well, listen, he he still has so many kids to take care of, so I mean, <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. A lot of, ex- a lot of expenses.
0: He could yeah. have been a marketing manager in an alternate universe. <laughs> <laughs> did,
2: did you? <laughs> well, uh, we we were walking back. Murph and I were walking back from the morning skate today, and uh, we we were, Murph's commenting on Sean Kemp's <laughs> hemp, and then we get to uh, we we're on First Avenue. Yeah. And they're a Thai food place.
0: Okay.
2: And it was uh, Thai on 1, so like Thai on 1st Avenue. Yeah. And Merce goes, well, why wouldn't they have Thai 1 on, you know, <laughs> play with it? No. Thai on 1. Uh,
0: yeah. did, did you drive the Envoy down or uh, or what?
2: No, no, no. We had the 24-minute <laughs> flight on Air Canuck.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. Have a great call tonight, Cheech. We always appreciate it.
2: Thanks, yes. (laughs) Trying to change things around here. We uh, need a win badly yeah. and uh, not we the Canucks need to win badly no no we we my, we, my, we, goal, my we. goals against average just stays the same uh, <laughs> nobody's shooting pucks through my leg. Nope, no
1: but we need fine. a victory too not because we feel like we're we don't, we don't use we as being part of the team no, you actually played no. for the team so you can use we as part of the team <laughs> but I say we as covering the team I can't do another yeah. loss Please, yeah, the Canucks
2: media needs it I listen I listen to your post game show when I drive home and it's Yes, you definitely. <laughs> yes. It. Well, I've been saying it, this. I've been saying this every
1: single every single game. I needed. I, I've done thirteen <laughs> games so far, including preseason and two victories, both yeah. in the preseason. It's
2: yes. Yeah. And one was in Abbotsford. <laughs> yeah. Your post game needs a yes.
0: win. <laughs> uh, more more wins. That's that's what we would like. Uh, thanks for this, coach. Yeah. Okay.
2: No problem. Talk
0: to you later. Uh, there he is, the best, John Garrett, joining us here on uh, on Canucks Central.
1: Man, I was thinking, I was just thinking he said, he says be sitting on the tarmac. I mean, flying over 23 minute, 25 minute flight from Vancouver to Seattle. And yeah, it's such an easy flight. It's great if you, if you've done it before or whatever. But if you ever get stuck on the tarmac getting off. So when uh, we went to cover the draft in Dallas some yeah, years yeah. back and flying back, we had to do a connection in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, imagine you fly all the way back and you get back and you're in Seattle sitting there for like two hours at the airport and we get on the tarmac finally. We spend an hour and 15 minutes on the tarmac before we flew off to get to Vancouver for, you know, a 25 minute flight. We would have been home faster if we would have just gone to Seattle and jumped on a bus or just, you know, driven back. That's how long it took to get back home from Seattle. So, yes, the flight is closer, but if anything goes awry, it takes you longer to fly than it does to drive.
0: I will never forget the uh, Coors Light bus uh, I was invited on for a Jays in Seattle Mm -hmm. game. Uh, It was being run by uh, some of the uh, Coors Light marketing team that were flew in from Toronto to, you know, escort fans and people like me on this trip and um they didn't know what they were doing it was bc bc day long weekend yeah end up in traffic on uh, on the 99 going down to seattle the the bus driver just decides you know what let's take a different route let's go to one of the other border crossings because this is going to work we were it took 10 hours to drive to seattle
1: Oof. yeah it's rough rough <laughs>
0: yeah it, we were stuck at I think Sumas for like four hours.
1: see that's that's what airports and borders as much as it's close. Like if, if you had a nightmare scenario it's it's rough. Oh man, yeah, tough tough times, tough times. <laughs> uh, first world problems for sure. Uh,
0: 650 650 on the Dunbar lumber text line keep uh, keep your thoughts coming in there and uh, appreciate you listening on podcast. As well. Coming up, uh, what is the most uh, concerning part of the start to this season for the Vancouver Canucks? Well, there's there's definitely many. We'll get to more. Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650.